This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 59. Hi, I'm Dan Norris, the author of The Seven Day Startup. You don't learn until you launch. You know, you can also learn a great deal by listening to this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. People want expertise. When I hire someone, I don't care if you're on a journey. We're all on a journey. But I need to know that you are at least a few steps ahead of me and you've solved the problems that I have right now. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. As we do each week, we're going to sit down with a successful and inspiring author, and we chat about her latest book and her areas of expertise. And they are many leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. She understands it all. I'm talking about Susan Baroncini Mo, author of the book Business in Blue Jeans How to Have a Successful Business on Your Own Terms in Your Own Style. And in this episode, she's going to share about the importance of understanding business fundamentals and why you can't afford to skip them, how changing the way others view you starts with thinking differently about how you view yourself, why the key to any successful business includes fire and expertise, and a whole lot more. If you haven't yet, be sure and check out last weekend's bonus episode, our audio summary of Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull, president and CEO of Pixar and Disney Animation Studios. That audio summary, courtesy of our friends at Blinkist, they're our sponsor for today's episode. They deliver inside their app business book summaries that you can consume in about 15 minutes that include the key insights and the main ideas from your favorite business books. The app is free and you get access to all the content free for three days. And if you like what you see, you can sign up for a monthly subscription, a quarterly subscription, even an annual subscription. In fact, right now, when you use the discount code read to lead, you get 30% off an annual subscription. To find out more about that, just go to read to lead podcast.com slash Blinkist. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. Susan Baroncini Mo is a business and marketing strategist and a Guinness World Records title holder. She regularly speaks to audiences of all sizes, and she has shared the virtual stage with business giants like Michael E. Gerber, David Meerman Scott, Bob Berg, Larry Wingate, and Chris Brogan, among others. She and her businesses have been featured in Red Book Magazine, USA Today, MSN Living, Inc., Fast Company, take a deep breath, Investors Business Daily, Yahoo Finance, and American Express Open Forum. She is the author of Business in Blue Jeans, How to Have a Successful Business on Your Own Terms, in Your Own Style. Susan, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, early in the book, uh, Susan says that she's seeing a surge of people taking the leap and starting their own business. And I love this. Uh, Susan, why do you think more and more people are considering this as an option for their lives? Well, you know, um, we used to think that if you got a job, you were safe. And, and that was sort of the prevailing concept. And, and if you look at our parents' and our grandparents' generations – 
there was this notion that if you were loyal to your employer, they'd be loyal to you. And many of our grandparents and parents worked for the same company for like 40 years. That was their entire career. But today, that just isn't really the reality in America. And companies not only are, are there's no loyalty either, you know, toward, from the company to the employee or from the employee to the company. And not only that, but companies actually want employees that are entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial is how we're talking about it now. And, and so we're really all entrepreneurs in our lives, but a lot of people haven't realized that yet. Uh, I, I also think that the Great Recession made a lot of people wake up to what's really going on and how things are today and, and wake up to the fact that we're each all in control only of our own destinies, leaving that to an employer when you might not know what's going on in the, in the books, in the marketing, in a lot of those things, is kind of a recipe for disaster and you're sort of setting yourself up for trouble. So even if you think you're secure and it's nice to get that regular paycheck like clockwork every couple of weeks and to have the benefits, you really are you know, at risk just as much as if you were in business for yourself and you're limited to how much they say you're worth and you really don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So in your own business, you do have that control and I think a lot of people are starting to see that. Well, I know in my own personal experience, uh, I used to see that paycheck, that steady paycheck and uh, vacation days and health benefits, all those things as security. But but, but like you hinted at, how, how secure is it when it can so easily be taken away from you? Well, yeah. And I think that it's, it's funny, you know, I think that damaged a lot of people when the, the recession hit and companies started letting people go like crazy. I think it really frightened a lot of people and created a lot of brain junk and made people so nervous about trusting employers and, and leaving their futures or their destinies, their ability to feed their families in the hands of an employer. Just It, it, really, it really changed. Well, like you, when I meet one-on-one with clients, I like to assign homework in between meetings. <laughs> uh, why was it important for you to structure the book this way as if you were consulting one-on-one with the reader? I like the homework assignments you have littered throughout the book. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you know, I when I thought about the book and what I wanted it to be, I wanted to translate the experience of working one-on-one with me because there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who can't afford to hire a coach or a consultant. And I wanted to give them the same strategies that I give to my one-on-one clients. And in part because during the recession, during those very difficult lean years, I got a lot of phone calls from entrepreneurs and business owners who were really having a hard time and, and were really struggling. And you know as well as I do that that there there's so much help that you can give someone, but at some point it comes it comes at a cost to us, right? So I'm in business and I have to charge for my time and my expertise and I do as much as I can to help entrepreneurs in in you know in as many ways as I can without charging for it because my heart is with the small business owner. And some of my corporate work makes that possible, right? But at the same time, there, are, there is a limit to how much I can really do for free. So I wanted to give them an opportunity to have access to the strategies I give my clients that do pay me for one-on-one work. And, and for those who were looking for a coach or a consultant, I wanted them to see what it's like to work with me. Well, most of us have heard the story of, of football coaching legend Vince Lombardi, and he's famous during that Green Bay Packers practice of holding this object up and saying, boys, this is a football. You know, the <laughs> idea being to stress the importance uh, of fundamentals. Now, I understand that you often get pushback from clients initially when it comes to 
understanding business fundamentals. Why do you stress this? Uh, why is this so important in your eyes? Yeah, I get pushed back uh, occasionally. Most of the time, my clients trust me that I know what I'm doing and I'm not not messing around. But but we typically start with the fu- well, we start with brain junk, but but then we move into the fundamentals and really analyzing the business to see what fundamentals are not yet mastered. And it's usually there's usually you know something that's being missed. And and what happens is if you don't have the fundamentals in place, your business really can't grow effectively or it'll grow unevenly. And, and fundamentals are things like making sure you know your target market and have clarity about that and, and that you're offering something that they want and can pay for and, and knowing how to brand your business and package it right, knowing how to market your business and deliver with exceptional, extraordinary service. These are simple things, fundamentals that they're not – and when I say simple, I don't mean easy – but they're fundamental things that, that many businesses today are missing. All you have to do is look at Yelp for five minutes and you can see <laughs> successful businesses even are missing these things. And if they, if they were looking at these things, they'd be even more successful. And, and as small business owners, if you're missing the fundamentals, you're going to be prey to chasing after shiny objects and magic bullets looking for answers for why your business isn't growing. You're going to be easy prey for scam artists and con people who are out there making big promises that they really can't deliver on. So we really look at building stable, strong businesses that are based on fundamental principles and then fusing that with the best performing strategies that apply to the unique business and its target market. You've mentioned this phrase a couple of times, brain junk. Uh, define what you mean by that and share why it's important not to skip working on, on some of the personal elements, as you call it. Brain junk is really important uh, for every entrepreneur and business owner, but, but I honestly think for every person. <laughs> we all have it, right? The, mm-hmm. the, oh, I could never, or am I smart enough, or I don't know enough, and all the doubts and questions and, and the messages that we carry along with us that have accumulated through life, through, you know, parents, through, you know, family members and friends and, and people maybe who were either toxic or unkind or abusive or, heck, just bad, you know, they were well-meaning but did it badly or, you know, life. You know, I have a lot of, of clients who have a lot of money brain junk from the Great Recession and, and, you know, wondering what they did wrong. And the truth is they didn't do anything wrong. It was just a really bad time for business owners. But but the, the thing of brain junk is it's really just mental clutter and it tends to really hold us back. And every time that I have seen an entrepreneur fail to address brain junk and these personal side of the personal side of things, I've seen them create businesses that don't make them happy, don't bring them joy. And I don't mean that you have to enjoy every single minute of your business. I have to do accounting. That does not bring me joy. Um, you know, I see people who think too small, who brand for the short term and don't think in terms of the long term, and, and they get stuck very quickly. So you have to have this brain junk piece worked out and in progress. So it doesn't limit you and it doesn't happen to you that you hold back. And share, if you would, too, Susan, about this concept that you call uh, grasshopper mode. The, the perception others have of us mirrors how we view ourselves, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and grasshopper mode refers to this story that – and, and I'm, I'm not an overly religious person, um, but I came across this story from the Bible about the people of Israel going to the promised land, and there were already people living there, and – they, you know, saw them, you know, they saw these people and they were like, oh, but they're giants and we're but grasshoppers. And, you know, they compared themselves to these people that were already in the promised land. And I, I think that what happens is we have this idea of ourselves 
quite often as, you know, who we are relative to someone else. Mm. So in my industry, maybe I look at myself and I compare myself to a Michael Gerber or a Bob Berg. And that's not fair. If, if you compare yourself to someone else, you're always going to lose that game because there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, faster, more well-known, smarter. Like there's always going to be someone who in some way you'll assume is better than you. Not only is that a losing game because it always puts you on the short end of the stick and makes you question yourself and doubt yourself, but it also makes you think small and feel discouraged and it, it translates to how you exist, how you present yourself. And we teach other people how to treat us mm. by the way that we present ourselves. So if you present yourself as, I don't think much of myself and why would you do business with me because I'm just a grasshopper? <laughs> then people are going to get that and they're going to think you're a grasshopper. Whereas if you think of yourself as a giant, other people will see that and they'll see you as a giant too. I think it was John Acuff, one of my favorite authors, who who said something along the lines of one of the reasons this is a problem is because we're often comparing our beginning to somebody else's middle. Yeah, that's fair. And, and you know, it's funny. My master's degree is in social psychology and the sociological research also indicates that we – we project both how we feel about ourselves and we make this a- assumption about how others view us and then we project that too. So if I feel bad about myself, then I'm going to attribute that other people think that too and then I'm going to project that. And so it's just this ugly cycle. So yeah, don't compare yourself where you are now to where someone is now. You got to look at where they were at their po- at the point where you are in your evolution. In one of the book's homework assignments, Susan recommends keeping track of your negative thoughts for a day or even two if you need it. (laughs) Susan, (laughs) why is this exercise important and what are the next steps once we've identified these thoughts? Well, this exercise is not for the faint of heart. Um, (laughs) I've had clients who've done this exercise and they come in, you know, like they'll email me before even their next meeting and they'll say, "Um, how how much should there be because I'm getting an awfully big list. And I'm always telling people, listen, you cannot possibly surprise me with the, the size of your list because frankly, I'm sure that when I did this exercise, my list was bigger than yours. So, so but the thing is, you know, you have to know, it's sort of like um, you have to know the problem before you can be- begin to solve it. So this exercise is really about tracking your negative thoughts so that we can start to see the common patterns and themes. So if you have a variety of different negative thoughts, but they all come down to self-worth, for example, then we know that's the thing we really have to focus on. And there are a lot of ways to uh, to exercise or exorcise, let's say, <laughs> the demons. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, the next steps are, it depends on what those demons are. So so it depends on what your particular brand of brain junk is. If it's self-worth, we need to look at ways to bolster self-worth. If you have some some doubts about, you know, other things, we have to really address those in different ways. So, you know, first it's important to to look at the thoughts, find out what they are, and look for what the patterns are, and then we can start to to manage the issues and manage the problem. As as long as spinning heads and vomiting is not involved, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't know how to address that at all. See a doctor or a priest. Share, if you would, your thoughts about authenticity and, as you call it in the book, your your real story. Yeah. So um, I believe in honesty and truth and, and, you know, there's always this sense that um, with with a lot of entrepreneurs, I notice that they're, they're telling one story, but 
and and I I tend to and when I say this I, I know I'm about to say something that's going to sound woo woo but I tend to be pretty intuitive and by that I don't mean I read minds or I'm psychic what I mean is I understand people at a very basic fundamental level and I can sense things about people again not in a psychic way but through body language through shifts in voice just through the uncertainty that I can actually hear in someone's voice. Mm. So that's why I do a lot of my work on the phone because I can sense so much just in the way someone sounds. Uh-oh. And <laughs> yeah, I know so much about you right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> but when I'm in in that context, right? So right. What we forget is that if you're telling yourself one story, but you're telling the world a different story, the truth will out, okay? Mm. The truth will always seep through somehow. And so it's really important to get the story that's your real story, the one that you're telling yourself about who you are, what you're worth, and and what you're capable of. And the story you tell the world, the the story about the success you've had and who you are and what you're capable of, (laughs) it's important that those two stories mesh up because otherwise people are going to sense that there's some incongruity. They may not know what it is, but they'll sense it and they'll know know that that the story you're telling them isn't the real story. Well, let's talk about fire for a minute. You say that if you really want to make uh, your business a success, the first thing you need is fire. So so why does fire matter so much? (laughs) I think that fire matters because you don't want to build a business that you're going to hate. I tell my clients, I can create a business for you all day long. I have ideas, ideas, ideas. But if you don't know what you want your life to look like and you don't know what you really want out of life, there's no sense in me doing that because let's say, for example, one of the things you're really passionate and, and you, you have to either be passionate and, and, and fired up about the thing that you're doing or you have to be full of fiver, fire about what, what you're doing makes possible. Mm. And I think it's best if you have kind of a fusion of both. So I love what I do. Um, I also love what my business makes possible in my life. So I'm passionate deeply passionate about my love for my husband and my love for travel and being able to see our family. And my business makes that possible. And that keeps me motivated, keeps me moving forward, helps me to get through the things like accounting that I don't really like to do because I know it is a step toward getting to travel more, getting to spend more time with my husband and all that kind of stuff. So you want to love what you do and what what you do makes possible. Now, we talked about brain junk. We've talked about fire. But Susan says that both are irrelevant without expertise. So uh, it sounds obvious in one sense, but share why expertise is so important, Susan, and describe for us what you call the the sweet spot for a business. It's funny because I, um, in the early days of my business, uh, and I, and I, I'm I'm so passionate about talking about, you know, the, the the many scam artists and con people out there that that talk about, you know, big promises mm. and make big offers that they simply can't deliver on, but charge an awful lot of money not to deliver on that. And I'm passionate about that because in the very early stages of my business, I went to a conference by one of these people who I will not name, <laughs> that um, the person actually stood on stage and told an audience of about 500 people that you don't have to know anything to start a business and that you could be successful in an area where you don't know anything. Mm. And so someone raised their hand and said, well, but I, I'm really passionate about you know whatever, uh, but I don't really know that much about it, but I'd like to have a business about it. And, and this woman stood, said to this, this audience member, that's okay, you can make it about your journey. No, no. <laughs> okay, here's why. 
people want expertise. Mm. When I hire someone, I don't care if you're on a journey. We're all on a journey. But I need to know that you are at least a few steps ahead of me and you've <laughs> solved the problems that I have right now. So I think that you don't have to be the greatest, you know, the most far, far along person in your industry. You don't have to be number one. But you do have to be at least somewhere further along than other people. So for example, in our industry, you know, with, with coaches, I, I talked to, to a coach, um, I'm, I'm kind of in between coaches right now. And I talked to someone a few weeks ago and I was outlining kind of some of the things that I was struggling with and that I wanted help with because, you know, coaches need coaches. And, uh, I, I said, you know, so here are the things I'm working on. She said, you know, it's so funny. I had this exact same conversation with my own coach last week. <laughs> and I went, I think we're done here. <laughs> if you don't have the answers to the problems I'm facing, then why would I hire you? This isn't about my brain junk. This isn't, these are technical challenges I need help with. So, you know, it was just an interesting uh, dynamic. And, and I, so that's why expertise matters. <laughs> so we fuse the thing that you love to do or that you want to make possible in your life with your expertise. And when you do that fusion, that's when you have the most chance for success. It's interesting. You talk a little bit about, about in the book too, uh, the topic of struggling with recognizing what you're truly gifted at. Some people struggle with that. How do you help clients who are in that position? Yeah, there, there are a number of problems. Like I have um, a problem where I have a lot of things I'm good at and it's been, you know, it's always a challenge for me to decide what do I really want to do? Because I like doing a lot of different things and I like variety. And so it's like, how do I corral myself? And so that's when a coach really comes in handy. But there, there are a lot of people who have the opposite problem, which is really believing that they're good at something and, and finding the things that they are gifted at. And, and I believe, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot of people who said, well, I'm not really good at anything. And I think that's a bunch of baloney. We are all good at something. We all have gifts. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And, and that's just something I really believe in my heart and soul. So one of the things that uh, a client who is struggling with finding what he or she is gifted at, the, the first thing is getting them to believe that they do have gifts and kind of moving in that direction. And there are certainly, you know, there's a lot of work around that. But then it's outlining, like, what are the things that you've done in your life? What are the common themes in your life? And, and for me, it took me a while to realize, like, writing and teaching have been in my life since practically birth <laughs> and entrepreneurship since I was five. So these things are, are kind of in the core of who I am. And I didn't even see that for a long time. And so some of it is a, a historical journey going back through your life and saying, okay, what are the things that have been in your life always? Like what are the, the common themes? And, and it takes a while to get to that, but we have very specific strategies for kind of gleaning that and drawing it out of people. So we've talked about expertise, recognizing what you're truly gifted at. So when it comes to developing our expertise, Susan, honing our skills, do you have certain methods you recommend or some that you favor over others? Or is it a, sort of a client by client, case by case basis? Well, I think it is a client by client, case by case basis because we're all different. Um, I myself am you know, kind of a constant work in progress. Um, I'm always reading, taking courses, and, and I mean, you know, actual classes. Listening and, to podcasts. 
Yeah, podcasts, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, podcasts are great because um, one of the things I love about podcasts is you can listen while you're working out, while you're driving around, and it's kind of this very efficient thing to do. Um, but but I, I think that, you know, we have to be a constant works in, in progress and, and recognize that that journey doesn't end. And, and there's never a day when you go, oh, okay, I'm done now. Even the great <laughs> masters who have mastered wonderful things, like you look at a Joshua Bell, who is a great master of violin that I've been following since I was six years old. And he is un- unquestionably one of the most talented and gifted performers in the world. But he still practices. And so we have to look at, at continuously practicing and looking at ways we can improve and, and never getting arrogant enough to believe that we don't need to learn anymore. Uh, when I speak, I often use sports analogies. I'm a big NFL fan, and so I, I usually throw out Peyton Manning. You was 17 years in the league, and does he still practice? Does he still watch game tape? Does he still go to training camp? Of course he does, uh, and that's right. that's one of the things that makes him as good as he is. Uh, just about every week here on the show, I, I say something along the lines of, I feel like we've only scratched the surface. And, and while, I, <laughs> while I mean it every week that I say it, I really mean it this time because all of my questions uh, thus far have really come out of like the first third of the book. So there's still a good two thirds that we haven't even uh, got into yet. So I, I highly encourage you pick this up available on Amazon and we'll link to it uh, in the show notes. Now, before I move on to some other questions, Susan, not directly related to the book, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that we leave with knowing? Gosh, um, no, I, I, I think, well, yeah, I, I was like, no, no. Oh, yeah, there is one thing. You know, if you are a, a startup, this is a great book for you. But it's not just for people who are just starting out. Mm. There's, there are homework assignments for businesses that are in growth. And I know a lot of people think the book is all about startup, and, and it really isn't. And from from the, the feedback I've gotten, there's a lot in there, even if you're not trying to start a business, even if you're not trying to grow a business. So I, I didn't write it with that intent. Um, and I've had friends who have said, I wish the entire book was just brain junk because that was my favorite chapter. <laughs> so maybe someday, but right now that's what it is. <laughs> but, um, but it's not just for people who are startups there. There's a lot in there for businesses and growth. Well, I know you do uh, a fair amount of public speaking, and it's a topic that comes up again and again on the show, the idea that your success often hinges on your ability to effectively share your ideas in public. Uh, what's your approach to giving a public talk? What's your goal when you, when you prepare one? What a good question. Um, when I prepare a talk, it's really important to me to make sure that I captivate the audience's attention. So I try to be both educational but also entertaining. And I think the most important thing when you're doing a presentation is – adequate preparation. And I've, I've mentored with some of the, the great speakers that are in our industry. And, and uh, one thing that I asked Larry Wing at once, you know, what is it that, you know, you speak like 200 days a year, if not more, <laughs> what's your secret? Do you ever get nervous? And he said, I really don't get nervous because I practice so much. Again, we're coming back to the thing, the thing, you know, the, the masters still practice. Mm. And he said, you know, I just rehearse and practice and prepare and preparation is the best way to avoid nervousness because if you walk on that stage and you know your material cold, why would you be nervous? And I just thought that was brilliant, and, and it certainly has, has served me well. I know you're an avid reader and wondering if you could name for us a couple of books that you've read or maybe are currently reading that have impacted you and maybe share how or why they've impacted you as they have. I am going to share a couple of 
books. Um, a friend of mine, Mike Michalowicz, wrote a book called Profit First, mm. and it is a book about accounting and why you need to understand accounting to make sure that you're being successful in your business. We just had him on the show a few weeks ago. Oh, Mike is, I love him. And uh, he's hes just a great guy. And the book was, I thought, just really well written and, mm. and very, very followable. And Mike, Mike and I have some, some similar shared history. So I love Mike. I thought it was a great book. Uh, the other book I've recently read is by a really smart guy named Shane Snow. He wrote this book called Smart Cuts. And it's really interesting. He really made me mad because every <laughs> chapter is kind of like, okay, here's how, you know, this thing works, right? So like, uh, you know how we all know that a lot of successful entrepreneurs have tons of failure in their past. And he's mm. like, well, it seems like you have to fail a lot in order to be a success. And you're like, yeah, I've read that. I've read that too. Okay. <laughs> and then he goes, okay, now here's why all that stuff is not true. And <laughs> so you're like, yeah, I'm with you, Shane. I'm with you, Shane. And then he's like, Nope, all that stuff you heard, <laughs> the actual research says no. <laughs> so he just got me every chapter. I was like, this cha- I can tell it's going to be different. And I don't know why he sucked me in every time. I'm going to ask him when I interview him, but oh my gosh, it just got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's uh, next on the horizon for you? What are you working on now that, that you're excited about? I'm in between projects right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so I don't have anything big right now. I think right now the big thing is figuring out what's next. Mm, Good, good. Well, Susan, we really appreciate your time. It's been great having you on. I'm loving the book so far and highly recommend it. Again, we'll put links in the show notes, readleadpodcast.com slash zero five nine. Thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I encourage you to connect with Susan and network with her. Don't forget to drop the Read to Lead podcast. Makes a great conversation starter. You can find her on Twitter at Subimo. I love that. S-U-E, the letter B, Mo, M-O-E, at Subi Mo on Twitter. Everything you'd like to know about Susan, within reason, uh, her new book, all the books she recommended, links to her website and such, can be found at the show notes page. That's the special page for this here episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 059. Remember our sponsor, Blinkist. We love them. We hope you do, too. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And read to lead your discount code for 30% off an annual subscription. And finally, why haven't you reviewed the podcast yet? I need you to rate it and I need you to review it for me. Here's how easy it is to rate and review the podcast. Go to your desktop or your laptop computer. Type in readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes if you already have an iTunes account. Or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Once there, leave a star rating, one to five stars, and a written review. Include your name so I know who you are. And I'll mention you by name in a future episode of this super successful Millions of Listeners podcast. Oh, okay, maybe not millions, but, but, but pretty close, w- w- within reason, kind of. I want to say a special thanks to Teresa Hummel, who has recently reviewed the podcast on iTunes. She gives it a five-star rating and says, get ready to buy lots of books. Sorry about that, Teresa. That's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for our next bonus episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Money talk.
But he can't sing and dance and he can't walk. As long as I can have you here with me, I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans, babe.